As I mentioned for the past few weeks, we have been talking about how to deal with the lemons in our life, and uh, that should be pretty obvious that we are talking about lemons representing those, those sour things in our life, uh, representing those things that are, are difficult or uh, troubling uh, in our life. And so we have kind of uh, developed a theme around that idea, around the popular phrase, uh, when life uh, gives you lemons, find a child with a paper cut. And that's what we built. No, we <laughs> people are like, what are you talking about? You'll catch that later. When life gives you lemons, make Make lemonade. There we go. Make lemonade. Uh, you don't want to find a child with a paper cut. That will hurt greatly. So, all right. You guys are also like intense when we get to the word. This is, this is great. We're ready to dive in. All right. When life gives you lemon, make lemonade. Lemonade meaning those, uh, which is something more sweet, which is something more palatable, something that we can drink and something that we can enjoy. And so that's the journey that we have, have been on, discovering how we can do that, take what we see difficult and see how God uh, through us can turn it into something uh, really good. And so this morning, we come to, this, to what we would say the story of Joseph's life, found in Genesis 37 to 50. And over those 13 verses, there is no doubt, I would say, that Joseph has experienced uh, and does experience some lemons in his life. The list of lemons starts with Joseph first uh, being sold by his brothers. His brothers are tired of his dreams. The brothers are tired of him being the favored son. Uh, his dad gave, uh, out of all the brothers, uh, his dad gave Joseph the special coat of many colors. Remember that? It was red and blue and green and brown. and not, It's from Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know the rest of the song. All right, you guys are going to have to stay with me this morning, all right? You have to stay with me this morning. Come on. Uh, so we're going, uh, Joseph and his brothers, they were dreaming. Or maybe I need to stay with you. That might be what I have to do. Uh, then he was promoted to, uh, he was sold into slavery. Then he was promoted to the master of the slave's house. And there he faced uh, the, his master's wife seducing him, and he turned his back on her. And he, was, and, and he did what was right, but he got falsely accused, was thrown back in prison. And then while he was in prison, he was promoted again uh, to being in a lead position. And there he had the opportunity to interpret the dreams of, of Pharaoh's baker and uh, Pharaoh's wine steward. And they did it with like, we'll remember you. Thank you for interpreting our dream. We'll remember you. But he was forgotten. And there he was left for two more years. And so finally, Joseph uh, was able to rise. Uh, he was remembered by Pharaoh. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. And then after interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, Pharaoh said, I'm putting you in charge. You said there's a famine coming. I'm going to put you in charge of the years of plenty right now to store up what we need for the famine. During the years of famine, Joseph's brothers show up because they need food. Egypt's the only place where there is food. And in that, in that time when his brothers show up, there they are, on their knees before Joseph, just like he had dreamed and told them so long ago. And we pick up our story there in Genesis 45, where Joseph is revealing himself to his, to his brothers. Genesis 45, verse 1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence! So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. 
Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save the lives that, who is the next word? God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But who? God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but who? God. He made me father to to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. Who? God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read this story, and I made that emphasis there because what I want us to see that this is, this is not the story of Joseph. This is the story of God. This is the story of God. This is God's revelation, how he works. And if you remember that God said to Abraham that I am going to build a great nation through you, Abraham. You are, you are my people, I will be your God. You be holy as I am holy, and I will lead you into a promised land and build you into a great nation, and your descendants will become a great nation. He said that to Abraham, and he said that it was passed down to Isaac, passed down to Jacob, the father of Joseph. And here, in the middle of Joseph's story, we begin to wonder what happened to that promise God made to his people. This is awful. How could God possibly be true to his promise? Because here is, here is uh, all, all of, um, uh, first we get in the middle, of which you may notice if you read through Joseph, in, uh, the, uh, the account here, and wonder why it's there. We get that ugly little passage in verse 38, interrupting it between Judah and Tamar, uh, showing that here God's people are not staying pure. They're not staying righteous. They're not intermarrying with just one another as God told them to, but rather there's infidelity and reaching out to other people. That, that's not on the list. And now all of a sudden we found a famine taking over the land. We're finding God's people struggling for their very own life. How are they going to survive? See, the story is just putting evidence and evidence against God. There's no way you can accomplish your purposes. But we read the story of God. And in spite of the incredible difficulties, in spite of the incredible um, which seems like uh, the incredible uh, face, you know, in face of uh, all, everything pushing back against what God said he would do. We see here in this story of God that he continues to do what God said he would do. He would be faithful to his people. He would be faithful to his people. And what we see in the story here of Joseph is that Joseph even though life dealt him a large number of lemons, through all of it, God's purposes were able to be fulfilled 
because Joseph remained faithful to God. That's the story that we see here in Joseph. And I think we need to learn from this that when we are faced with a life that gives us a whole bunch of lemons, that we need to stay faithful to God. And when we are faithful to God, we can see lemonade emerge. Now my experience is with a, with a number of people that faithfulness to God is not the normal response. Because we live, in particular here in Western uh, culture, we live with the understanding that uh, our life needs to be pain-free, that our life needs to be just filled with blessings, that we need to be prosperous, that we need to be healthy, that we need to just be in the ease of comfort. And if we do not have that ease of comfort, well, then God is against us. Then who are you, God, that I would experience some of this pain right here? God, that I wouldn't have this. God, that this would happen to me. And instead of people being faithful to God, what I see in our culture is that we point a finger at God and we move away from him. That's not what we see here in the life of Joseph. Because any one of us probably has not experienced as many lemons as Joseph has. And yet every impulse in Joseph was to move back towards God. And as Joseph moved in faithfulness to God, he was able to see those lemons, if you will, turn into lemonade. Because I believe that the first thing that faithfulness does, it allows us to rest in the hope of God. Faithfulness allows us to rest in the hope of God. Now we just got through pretty much, you know, our summer season and uh, in the life of our family, there is always at least once in the summer where it occurs that we are asked to go visit uh, my in-laws at their cottage in Grand Haven for some sort of family event. And you probably all experience the same sort of thing. And we'll have that occasion that's put there, and uh, of course there's always, well, we have to bring something, right? And so whether we're bringing cheesy potatoes or... Uh, or some dessert or something special that Amy worked on, nothing that I contributed to the, the deal, but everything that she worked on that we're bringing to her family gathering, we have to bring it. And so there comes a time where we have to get in the car and bring this dish. And so I will pick up the dish and go to bring it and put it in the car, and maybe it's in the crock pot or something like that, and uh, Amy will say, stop, wait. And I'm like, well, what, I'm bringing, the, I'm bringing the crock pot, I'm putting it in the car. No, 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 it may, it may move around, right? It may move around. And so, put it in a box. All right, so I go down and get a box, put the crock pot in the box, bring it out. Let me see the box. Is that enough? Is it in there? Because I don't want it to slide around. No, it'll be fine. Put a towel in the box. All right, got the towel in the box, got the crock pot in there. I'm bringing it out, trying to keep the crock pot safe. And I'm bringing it out to my car. And over in the car, I'm putting it in the trunk, I put it in the trunk. There, that's good. It might slip around while we're traveling. Pack things in around it because we don't want the crock pot to tip over, right? We don't want it to tip over. So, all right, I got to pack it in there. Now, we got to make the entire drive to Grand Haven with it in the back. Don't drive so fast. Don't hit the bumps. Don't zigzag in and out because, right, the crock pot could move. It could, uh, the stuff could overflow. It's like, oh my goodness, no. All right, I got to get the crock pot, I got to get it there. So I'm just driving white-knuckled with my crock pot in the back, not wanting to spill it, because if I spill it, it's over for me. 
So I drive, we get to Grand Haven, and now comes the worst. The cottage is up like a hundred flights of stairs. Yeah. And now with two hands, like a regal, just carrying up each step, just carefully carrying the crock pot up each step to the top deck of the cottage, into the kitchen, getting through the door, right? That's a little... Open the door, get in, until finally that moment where I set it down on the kitchen counter. And it's there. And in that moment, I am like, yes, all is good. I can now enjoy the family gathering. And I say that because only when I was able to get the crock pot where it needed to go, where it needed to rest, was I able to rest, right? And I think that's the way it is with our lives. That unless we take our lives and we place it and we bring it to the hope of God and to his promises, only when we place our lives there will we be able to rest. We need to rest in the hope of God. And I see that over and over again in Joseph's life, that he was saying, yes, I have these lemons. Yes, I have these difficulties. Yes, I have to navigate all these steps. Yes, I'm thrown into prison. Yes, I have a lot coming at me. But it's okay, because you know where my life rests? It's good. (laughs) It's with God. I have absolutely nothing to worry about, because my life is resting with God, in the hope of God. And see, hope when used in the Bible is not just something that I wish would come true, but it's certainty. I know who God is because I read it in his word. This is who God says he is. And our God made a promise to Abraham. He said, we will be a nation. God is faithful and will keep that promise. So even though I'm down in this cistern, even though I've been falsely accused, I know that God will come through because the truth is that's who God is and so that dictates my actions moving forward. I'm resting on who that is and I'm resting on God. And that was the mark of faith that was pinned on Joseph. If you look at Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is the great list of, uh, we call it the hall of fame of faith. And in Hebrews 11:22, it says, By faith, Joseph, there we go, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. Hebrews 11:22. What is going on there? What is Joseph saying? It's the end of his life. He says, there's going to be an exodus. Our people are going to leave this place of Egypt because our God has given us a promised land. And our God is going to bring us to that promised land. And when God brings us to the promised land, don't leave my bones here. Take my bones with you because my home is not here in Egypt. My home is where God has promised me. And I know God's going to take us there. And so Joseph is able in in his story, in his encounter with his brothers, the the famous verse in Genesis 50, verse 20, as he's talking to his brothers, 
Joseph says in 50 verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I went through all of this. I could rest because I knew my life was right there in the center of God's hands. When we have lemons, we need to place our hope in God, that God is true to who he says he is, and as it says in Romans 8, that it says that God will work good in all things because he loves his children, that he loves us. That's who our God is. Are you able to rest today in who God is? We do that with faithfulness, unwavering faithfulness in God. The second thing that I see happening in Joseph's life is that his faithfulness yields to what I would call the refinement of God. Joseph being faithful yields to the refinement of God. Now, I'm not a metal, metallurgist. Is that right? Metallurg? That's close enough. Metallurgist, a guy who works with metal. I'm not one of those people. But I do know enough that when you take out a, a, a piece of clunky ore from the ground, whether it's silver ore or, or it's gold, that it's not very attractive. It doesn't look very good at all, right? It's just a, a, a big clump with maybe a little, some, some sparkles in it and some potential to be something great. And so what they do is they take that piece of ore and they add a catalyst to it and they add some, some white heat to it and they burn off all the impurities. They burn off everything that is ugly, leaving only what is refined and what is pure and what is beautiful and what is good. So you know where I'm going with this, don't you? That's what happens in our lives when we're facing lemons. Sometimes the lemons are the only way that we can become refined into the image of Jesus Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's what God is most concerned with. Because we're not taking anything from this world with us. We're just aliens and strangers passing through. And all that matters on the day of eternity is, is our heart, is it shaped into the image of Jesus Christ? And sometimes it's not the comforts of the world that get us there. Sometimes it's not the pleasures of the world that get us there. Sometimes it takes the lemons of this world to shape our hearts and refine our hearts into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Joseph went through, that Joseph was being refined. I see in Joseph's life, here's my list, he had to overcome a prideful attitude and learn humility. Joseph had to learn how to serve. Joseph had to hold to moral purity. Joseph had to learn how to confront others. Joseph had to learn how to lead his brothers to repentance. Joseph had to learn to be patient. Joseph had to learn how jealousy can cause suffering. In so many ways, this pampered papa's boy with the beautiful little coat needed to be refined so that he could lead a nation and save a nation according to God's purposes. And it happened in the midst of his lemons. And Paul, uh, Peter says to us in 1 Peter 6, 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7, Peter says this, he goes, So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though it is necessary for you to endure many trials for a while. These trials are only to test your faith, 
to show you that it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests and purified gold. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong, and after being tried by fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor in the day when Jesus Christ is revealed in the whole world. Paul says, uh, Peter says, you have some lemons, be glad, because it's refining you. Uh, remember the, the in, uh, I think in the Gospels, uh, the words of Jesus, well, what, is it, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? You have to lose his soul. Because at the end of the day, it's about our soul. And in our lemon moments, and in our difficult moments, often our souls are being refined. Paul says in Romans 5, 3, he says, we glory in our sufferings. We glory in our sufferings. We glory in our lemons. We're okay with our lemons because we know that our lemons produce perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. That's the connection that the scriptures make. And so I think we need to ask, if I'm in this season where I'm facing these lemons, can I open up my heart and life and just say, God, what work do you need to do in and through me? God, how can you use this situation so that as I'm an alien and stranger passing through on towards the kingdom of God, when I meet you face to face, my heart is in a condition ready to meet you. Joseph's faithfulness in God allowed him to continue to be refined so that God could use him, and God can do the same through you. And the third thing that I see here in the story of Joseph is that Joseph's faithfulness created an avenue for God's blessings. An avenue for God's blessings to go out from him. Now many of you know that I watch uh, more animal shows than I should. Uh, I'm just going to acknowledge that right up front. I have an addiction uh, to animal shows because I just think they're so they're cute, especially the baby elephants. But I saw this uh, creature on here, the Matchy's tree kangaroo. Love that little guy. Uh, all he does, though, is that he is a kangaroo. He does hold the joey in his pouch, which makes him a kangaroo. But he uh, hops around the treetops and just kind of eats leaves. That's the Matchy's tree kangaroo. Now, while a lot of other creatures make their way across the different places, and you can find them in different areas of the world, in different uh, situations, not the Matchy's tree kangaroo. You can only find the Matchy's tree kangaroo in the Huon Peninsula in Papua New Guinea. If that's where you want to find them, that's where you have to go. Uh, the, the term they give for that is uh, endomic, endomic. That that's the only place that they found that if, and that's you, the word is used for those kinds of creatures that you can only find in a certain habitat or in a certain climate or in a certain culture. Only one place can you find them. In our lives are endomic as well. Because there's only one place that we can be and we can stand where God's blessings will pour out of us. And that is right in the center of God's will and God's ways. Where the fruit of God is filling us and flowing in us and flowing out of us. We need to be in the relationship with God. It won't happen. If, God, if the lemons come along in our life and we say to God, God forgets you. I'm angry with you, God. 
I can't believe you've done this, God, and we move way away from God. Now I'm in this location over here, as far from the Spirit of God as I can be. I've shut off the blessings of God moving in and through me. When I'm faithful to God, and I continue in my lemon-filled moments to stand next to the heart of God, next to the Spirit of God, God is able then to bring his blessings out and flow through me. And we see that in the story of Joseph over and over again. We read it in 39.2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph. Where was he? He was in a cistern. We read, the Lord was with Joseph. Where was he? He was in a prison. We read this over and over again that the Lord was with Joseph because Joseph, rather than fleeing God, he remained faithful. And so God was with Joseph. And as a result of the Spirit of God being with Joseph, the blessings of God were able to go out. And so while Joseph was in Potiphar's house, Joseph was able to bless Potiphar's house. He was able to bring goodness. He was able to, Potiphar didn't worry about a thing. When Joseph was thrown into prison, he rose to the top there and he was able to bless the prisoners. He was able to, when the baker and the, and the uh, wine steward came in, he was able there to be able to, to speak God into him. He said, this is what God, this is, I'm going to tell you what God says about this. When he stood before Pharaoh, he said, it's not me who interprets the dream, but it's God. Let me, let me tell you what God does. And, and through that, Joseph now was able to save all of Egypt and beyond because he managed all, all the resources. Joseph was able to be a conduit of God's blessings because he stood and was faithful to God. And I want to encourage you to stay faithful to God so that God can pour out his blessings through you. I saw an example of this uh, this week. Here's a picture that I want to show you. This is a lemon. I'm just telling you it's a lemon. A friend of mine, uh, ours, that we went to Israel with uh, on our first trip. He's in his 30s and his family. His name is Dugan Shearbody. Uh, this is his daughter, Eva, who two weeks ago was out with her friends. They were playing on a, she was on a golf cart, and she fell off the back of the golf cart and hit her head. She only fell two feet. She hit her head, and she has yet to wake up. Um, and there she lies in her bed. I just love the care that the parents are, are how, how cute and how attentive they are to her. But she's laying there, and the doctors are saying, if she wakes up, she probably won't see. If she wakes up, she probably won't walk. If she wakes up, she's going to have learning disabilities. If she wakes up. That's a lemon, is it not? That is a lemon, and my heart just, just went out to this family. I can't, I can't imagine that, what a, what a lemon that would be. But I've watched over the course of the two weeks the parents respond to, to Eva. And they show up every day loving Eva. They show up reading her the word of God into her life. In fact, the very first day that, that she fell and they heard about her injury, they sent out a plea to the whole church to begin praying. And they prayed the, the prayer uh, reminding of the story where Jesus raised Jairus' daughter to life. And they said, that's our God. He's a God who can restore life. And let's pray that over her. And the parents continue to speak God into her daughter's life and into the life of those around. They're faced with a lemon. And in, their, and in this opportunity, it certainly would have been easy, would it not? 
She's eight years old, God. Forget you. I'm going over here. But the family didn't do that because they knew who God was. They knew who God is. They knew that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And they continue to hold on to God in the midst of this. And this is what the dad just wrote this week. Dugan wrote this. He says this. He says, one of the most encouraging elements. Can you imagine saying that? Encouraging in this situation? One of the most encouraging elements to this is seeing God drawing people towards him from all different places in life through Eva's story. If God didn't have a plan, he would have taken her home. One follower told me that they had wandered from their faith some years ago, but seeing the church's response to Eva has reignited their faith. I didn't know what God was up to on August 22nd, but now I'm like, heck yeah, God is working. That's a family who continue to be faithful to God, stood right in the center of the pain, right in the center of the hurt, not turning their back on God, but saying, God, do a work through and in me. Because they know who God is, and they know at the end of the day that when Eva breathes her last breath of life, where is she going to be? She's going to be in eternity with Jesus Christ. They know that. They know that God is going to bring healing to her. Eva's not going to lay in bed her whole life. She's going to be raised to glory with Jesus Christ. They know that. But while she's here, they're saying God has something. God wants to work because God's ways are bigger than our ways. God's thoughts are bigger than our thoughts. And I'm okay with that. I don't know about you. We want to figure every one of these lemons out. But I'm okay that I have a God that is much bigger than me. I'm okay that I have a God who holds all of this in the palm of his hands and is working towards good. That's our God. And I just want to encourage you to stay faithful to him. If you are going through some lemon today, bring it to him. Trusting in who he says he is and find your rest in him. If you're dealing with some lemons today, will you just... Just move towards God and say, God, will you use this to refine me, to shape me so that I look more and more like Jesus Christ? And maybe even if you're dealing with a lemon today, could you say, God, would you use this situation to advance your kingdom and to advance your purposes in this world to bring you the glory? Could you do that today with your lemons?